are because that's where Jesus went. What would it look like if we rethought the way that networking happened on social as it relates to the church? How could we apply that to the church? The church is unlike any other organization in the world. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Dave Shrine, and you're listening to the next episode of the Church Marketing Podcast. If you listen to podcasts regularly, one phrase that uh, I've noticed that nearly all hosts say, including myself, is the phrase, I'm excited. And you know what? It's because I am excited. And it's because every single podcast host is excited because every single podcast has so much good stuff. And that is no exception with this one. This is the email marketing for churches episode. And we'll get into that very shortly, what it looks like for you to enhance email at your church. Before we do that, I want to let you guys know that if you would like to reach out to me, and more and more of you have been doing so, you can reach me on email, dave at cfcclabs.org. If there's something you'd love for us to talk about, if you if you have a topic uh, that you'd love for us to bring up, or if you have any questions about the episode or any follow-up, just feel free to email me, dave at cfcclabs.org. And if you are on Twitter, you can find me on Twitter as well, at Dave Shrine. The first thing that I want to let you guys know about before we get into anything else is the certification lab. The July 17th through 19th certification lab is coming up and it'll be here before you know it. We've got a lot of people registered for this one. It's turning out to be one of the more heavily attended certification labs and it is in Nashville. Nashville, July 17th through 19th. It's uh, presented in partnership with uh, our friends over at Monk Development, creators of Ecclesia 360. It is a fantastic event if you are a church communicator looking to take church communications to the next level in your organization. Uh, some of the things that they'll go over is general communication strategies, best practices, leadership in communication. I know that's one of the big things I struggled with when I first got in to church communications was how to be the leader, not necessarily to all of my volunteers and to the church, but how to actually be the leader for the communications department when it came to advocating for resources and getting people on board with the strategies we were putting together. You'll look at things like social media, decision psychology, um, personal creativity, content development, and survival tips. If you want to learn more about the certification lab, you can go to cfcclabs.org slash certification. You'll meet our instructors. You'll learn a little bit more about the topics I just shared with you. And there is information right there for you to register. It's an amazing investment. It is one that does not return void. And if you have even thought about attending the certification lab after listening to a podcast or reading some of our content on churchmarketingsucks.com, I highly encourage encourage you to visit that page, cfcclabs.org slash certification to get more information. Now, before we get into the email marketing for churches episode, there's a little tip and it's actually not just a tip, but it's a software program that I want to tell you about. The software is called Zapier. Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R. Zapier is a heaven sent. It's one of the most amazing applications that you can find to connect all of the various softwares, services, programs that you're using online to speak with one another. Now, 
you're going to have to go to Z-A-P-I-E-R.com, Zapier.com to check it out for yourself. But what it essentially allows you to do is if this, then that. When certain things happen in a program like a MailChimp or a GetResponse or Asana or Wonderlist or Dropbox or Google Drive or your email inbox, whatever the case might be, when a certain event happens, if you have created what they call a Zap, And you say, okay, when this type of email comes in with this type of subject, automatically forward that email to Asana or automatically create an archive of that email in Dropbox or automatically send that email to these 10 people, whatever the case might be. It is an if this, then that. And so I wrote down a few examples of how you could begin using a Zapier. Now, like I said, you're going to have to go there and look for yourself to see what's capable. They've got all sorts of different recipes that you can employ, but a few examples that you might want to consider. First and foremost, if you have a communication request form at your church, Staff fills out that form, right? And it probably goes into a uh, into a list of entries somewhere. Maybe you get an email and you add that somewhere on a Word document or a Google spreadsheet or something like that. Well, using Zapier, you can create a form using something like Wufu W. Uh, W-U-F-O-O.com, Wufu. Uh, I like to use one called Mockform, M-A-C-H-F-O-R-M.com. They can fill out the form and all the fields using Wufu or Mockform. And then you can create an integration with Zapier that automatically takes all of the individual fields that they filled out, send it to Zapier, and then say, I want these fields to be automatically sent to this project in Asana or this list in Wonderlist or this project in Basecamp. And for the title, I want it to be these three fields. So so each field that the staff member fills out for the communication request, it's actually a merge field. So you know an email when you say, hey, I want everybody's, I want it to say, hi, first name, comma. And it just fills in, you know, MailChimp will fill in the first name. Well, it's that same sort of thing. So the staff fills out, they have something called title of event, right? Just for an example. Then when you bump it over to Asana, Wonderlist, or Basecamp, you can say, you know, staff member Dave Shrine has filled out a request for event name. Um, please look at it by this date and it'll assign a due date. It's amazing. Um, so that's one example. Another example is let's say that your pastor has finished his message for Sunday morning and you've created a form using mock form or woofoo, something like that. He goes, gives the title of the message, provides a description of the message, tells you which categories the message is a part of and what uh, what scriptures are going to be there. So you got the description, the title, the scriptures, the notes, and the categories, right? You've got all that there. Well, he fills that out. If you're using WordPress, you can create an integration with WordPress. And I've actually done this with some of the churches that I work with and some that I've consulted with. You can actually have that data automatically be sent to WordPress, create a new post, put it in draft mode, and then go to WordPress on Monday morning when the audio's ready and find that post ready to go. Maybe tweak a couple things, um, make a couple changes, and then click publish. So rather than taking the entry and copying and pasting and copying and pasting, you can actually have it automatically sent to WordPress. So that's a really powerful thing. If you're using something other than WordPress, you can go to Zapier and check it out. 
Uh, two more examples. Uh, you can set a zap to say anytime a new post is published on your website, whether you're using an RSS feed or a direct integration with Zapier, a custom tweet is sent. So you can say, um, you know, lots of systems will allow you to send custom tweets, but this one, like in the previous one where you can grab different fields, you can create a particularly custom tweet that says, okay, so a new post is added. Hey, you know, uh, christianchurch.com wanted to let you know that Dave Shrine, that would be a merge field, has published a new post all about whatever the title is, and you can check it out, and the link is automatically entered. So you can create custom tweets or custom Facebook posts based upon whenever a new post is sent out automatically. Like You don't have to type it in. It's done automatically. The last example I have, and this one will be particularly interesting uh, for you guys, is let's say you have a volunteer form on your website. And that's the form that people fill out when they want to begin volunteering at the church. You can say whenever a volunteer fills out this form, automatically add their entry to a Google Sheet, so if you're keeping track of all the names, and send a notification email to the volunteer leader for that department because they'll they'll pick which department, and post an update in Slack with the volunteer's name, their email, and tag that volunteer leader, that particular ministry leader in Slack so they can see it. So there's all sorts of different things you can do. I want you to go and check it out. I want you to spend at least 10 minutes there looking to see what services they connect with that you're regularly using and see if there's any regular tasks that you're doing, regular manual entries that you're creating that you could replace with a Zap. So Zapier.com, Z-A-P-I-E-R.com. Now, let's get into this episode's topic of email marketing for churches. I got the idea to do this episode based upon a post that I saw Kevin Hendricks put out called Quit Sending Crappy Emails. Uh, it's a summary post that's directly tied to the uh, the quit book. It's titled, Is Your Church Ready to Quit? It's a cheap little book, offers real value for churches when it comes to communication. You can go to cmsucks.us slash quit if you want to get more information, or you can get all of the show notes at churchmarketingsucks.com slash 021. But either which way, it was a little reference to number 109 tip of quit sending crappy emails, and I thought it was pretty funny. Um, at the very end, it says, use a real email service. Repeat after me. BCC is not for me. Pay attention to the stats, craft your subject lines, send content that's actually important. And I thought it was very valuable just in those few sentences, the tips that were being dropped. And I thought, you know what? We should really expand on those. So I put together an entire episode for us to go through related to email marketing. Now you can go check out the original post, the quit sending crappy emails, because there are several links to additional content that's been published on Church Marketing Sucks. One of them um, kind of made me chuckle. It was, um, uh, what was the title? Let me click on it here. I've got it open. It's, uh, is your pastor a Nigerian prince? Church email newsletters for beginners. So really good stuff. Go over to churchmarketingsucks.com slash 021 if you want to see the entire post. But we're going to get into it. And I want to start with um, start this conversation. We have four movements that we're going to make, and I want to start it with email marketing misconceptions. There's all sorts of different thoughts that have been put out there related to email marketing, uh, email, the church, and I really want to hit the top four that I identified and just kind of hit them straight on because the reality is if your church has done email in the past, and uh, it didn't do it well, you might have some uphill battles to fight. If your church is doing email right now, 
You might have some uphill battles to get people to change. And if you've never done it, it might be a new idea that you're going to have to defend. So the the four conceptions that I kind of want to debunk here is the first one is people think email is annoying. And that's just not true. As frustrating as email can be, it's the emails that are that are nonsensical, the wasteful emails, the uninteresting emails, the spam emails. It's all the stuff that we never ask to receive that makes email annoying. Now, when I'm talking to people about helping them understand that really email is a valuable communication tool, one of the illustrations that I use is, look, you might say that email is annoying and not interesting and it just gets deleted. Well, what if I told you that over the next week, I'm going to send seven emails and every single day that email is going to be filled with instructions on where to go find a big bag of money somewhere in your neighborhood. And there's a legitimate chance that you could find it. As funny as that is, people are like, well, yeah, I'd want to know that if it, if it was free money, I'd like to know. It just goes to prove the point that when the, when the subject matter is interesting, when it's something that people want to hear about, want to read about, email is not annoying. There's a heavy responsibility on us to make sure that email stays focused on what we promised to send people in the first place. But email is not annoying when somebody has signed up for something in particular and you deliver that something over and over again. So that's the first myth is that email is annoying. It's not annoying. Annoying emails makes the email marketing annoying, but email in and of itself is not annoying. The second myth is email designs have to be really complex and elegant and beautiful. Let me tell you, when when I was at my past church and even now in my business, the emails that are text only typically get a much better response than emails that have all sorts of sexy graphics in them. Why? Because the graphics are very impersonal and just plain text is what we are accustomed to seeing in our email inbox. If you've been holding off on doing email or if you continually get frustrated because you can't get your emails to look really attractive and really beautiful and all sorts of rich graphics, you don't need to be frustrated about that. As a matter of fact, some of you listening right now should stop using graphics in your email. And I'm not going to point anyone out. You know who you are. But you should stop using graphics because unless you can do graphics well and unless you can help them enhance your content, you really don't want to be filling your emails with a whole bunch of graphics that mean nothing. So the second myth is the email's design have to be really complex and elegant. The third email myth is all or nothing. Either everyone gets this email or nobody gets this email. And it's just this idea, not that you're saying everyone has to get the email, but it is the notion that you have no ability to what is known in the email world as segment. And basically what segmenting is, it's a, it's a big word, but it's exactly what you think. It's saying, This group of people are going to be most interested in this email, while that group of people are going to be most interested in that email. We do segmenting all the time, right? We do segmenting, get together with, like in in youth ministry, get together with all the people who go to your school, right? And you segment them off based upon school. Or you'll segment and say, I want all of the ninth grade girls over here and I want all the seventh grade boys over there. You segment because what you're going to say and how you're going to say it is different for every audience. Do that with your entire church. If you're going to send out an email to just uh, just about a women's event, why would you send that to men? You could probably say, well, the men are going to tell their wives. Okay, seriously, think about that. 
No, they're not. They're not going to take note of a women's event and tell their wives about it. Now, it could be said that women would take note of a men's event and tell their husbands about it because my wife has done that to me or for me, I guess I should say. But think through what's actually going to happen. So you don't have to do an all or nothing proposition. You can send out specific emails to specific people. The last myth that I want to debunk is the myth that it's not worth sending at all if I don't have a big list. Now, you might say, well, Dave, I've only got 100 people in the church and only 32 of them are on the list. I'm going to tell you, you've got 30% of your church who you could begin emailing with important information that pertains to them. You don't have to have a big list. Well, Dave, I've got 10,000 people and I only have 200 people on the list. Great. That's 200 people that you can communicate more strategically with. And as you get better at writing emails, you can begin to put the word out to get more and more people to sign up for that email. Now, later on in this episode, I'm going to give you an example of an email um, that you could be sending right now that will actually help you increase the overall number of subscribers you have to whatever email lists you send out. But just this idea of it's not worth sending if I don't have a big list, it's just hogwash, right? Yes, and I said hogwash. You Everybody starts at zero. Nobody starts unless they went out and bought a list, which that's a whole nother episode. But nobody starts with a thousand people on their list or 250 people on their list. Everybody starts with zero. Growing that list takes a lot of time and effort, but everybody starts with zero. So those are the four myths that I want to debunk. And I hope I did so very quickly here. People think email is annoying. Not true. Email designs have to be really complex and elegant. Not true. All or nothing. Either everybody gets the email or nobody gets it. Not true. And it's not worth me sending emails out if I don't have a big list. Absolutely not true. Those four misconceptions often prevent people from capitalizing on the benefits and the potential that email has to connect the right person with the right announcement at the right time. The other end of the pendulum is people who love email. And as a matter of fact, They love it so much that they haven't stopped to actually think if the way they're using email is beneficial. And so the next section that I want to go through are the email marketing mistakes. And I've listed several items. I think it's six here, six mistakes that people make when it comes to email in their churches. Now, the first and foremost one, it it is first for a reason, because it is the most important thing when it comes to communication, period. And the number one email marketing mistakes church make, churches make is thinking that everyone cares about the message. They do not. And when I say the message, I don't mean the sermon. I mean the message of the email. Not everyone cares about the things that your staff cares about. Not everyone cares about the things that your department head cares about or that you care about. Everybody cares about one thing and it's as diverse as it comes. People care about themselves. As much as we're in a church and as much as we like to say, no, it's about the other person. No, people care about themselves. So if you think that they care about your message more than they care about themselves, you're kidding yourself. Everything you write, everything you say, the pictures you use, it all has to come from the point of, okay, nobody cares about this message that I'm about to send out. How do I make them care? How do I write it in such a way that They are compelled to care about what it is I'm trying to say to them. So the number one mistake is people think that everyone cares about the message that you're putting out. 
And it's just not true. They don't. You have to understand that they care about themselves more than anybody else. The second mistake is not, this is just really simple, not changing subject lines from week to week or from whatever message you're sending out to message. So here's how that plays out. I discovered this very early on using MailChimp when smartphones um, became pretty prolific amongst everyone. Now, in the early days of the iPhone and the iPhone 3 and the iPhone 3GS, not many people had smartphones. Not many people had email on their phone, so it wasn't a big deal. But as smartphones became more and more popular and more and more email were sent and more and more communication happened, something happened when it came to email inboxes. And you've probably noticed this if you use any type of threading email where emails stack upon one another rather than just a whole bunch of individual ones, grouping emails with like subjects together. And so every single week, we send out a MailChimp email saying, this week at such and such church, this week at such and such church. And what was happening is people were getting the new weekly newsletter with the same subject line as the previous one, and it was getting grouped with the old email. And so when they'd open it up, they wouldn't see the new email. They'd see the old one and they'd be like, oh, what's this? You want to change the subject line from week to week for two reasons. First and foremost, you don't want old emails getting confused with new emails. And two, your subject line is the thing that's going to inspire or what's the opposite? De-inspire somebody to open up your email. You have to change that subject line every single week to something relative and intriguing. You can't give away everything, but you can't make it so vague that nobody has any idea what it's going to be. It's got to be related, but it's going to be something where people anticipate. And so, um, you know what, as a matter of fact, I wasn't planning on doing this, but I'll do it right now. Give me a second. I'm going to open up MailChimp and I'm going to read to you some of the subject lines from the emails that I've sent out for one of the churches that I work with and give you a little bit of insight into how I put together our subject lines. So the most recent one, it was, uh, it was, let me look here, view email. The subject line was boredom comes too easy. And the opening item inside the subject line was amazing activities for your neighborhood kids at Vacation Bible School. Opening line is we're approaching the midpoint of summer and kids are fully embracing video games, TV, and raiding the pan- raiding the pantry for junk food. And if they're not doing it at your house, they're doing it at their friend's house. So they're doing all those things because of boredom, right? So boredom comes too easily is the subject line that we had for this email. Now, admittedly, that's not my favorite subject line, but that's the one that we used for that. Let's go to the next one. The next email, it had the subject line, where is it? Subject line of this Father's Day at Foothills. Now, if you do anything and say coming up this Sunday, you can't do it every week, but coming up this Sunday, that's going to get people to open because they're interested in what's happening this Sunday. So they want to open it up and look at what's happening this Sunday. So this Sunday, uh, Father's Day at Foothills, um, that was the church that we did. Don't forget this Sunday is Father's Day. And it had a big graphic of the pastor and his kids. Now, I actually thought after I did this, I was like, ah, it would have been nice to have somebody other than the pastor, but he's a little bit newer. So I think it works out okay. But that was that campaign. The next subject line, well, the content of that email was actually a report for the student ministries who were doing um, mission work in Calgary, Canada. And so the first image that we had was 20 different pictures that they had sent us from their trip. So for the subject line, 
I did something that capitalized on the fact that people love numbers and they love photos. And the subject line was simply 20 pictures. That was it. And when they opened up, they immediately saw 20 different pictures. And there was actually a a link there for them to click and see all of the pictures. But that particular subject line generated 60.2% opens and 27.8% clicks. That email had 60.2% opens and 27.8% clicks. That is by far the most opens that we had had for any of our emails over the course of the last several months. So you got to get creative with your subject lines because your subject lines do matter. So not changing the subject lines is another mistake I see. We'll get through a few of these a little bit more quickly. Uh, the third mistake that I see people is doing is not using real photos, just using graphics from Canva or Photoshop or message graphics. Use real photos. Take as many real photos as you can. Get an iPod Touch for your church. Give it to a student and have them go around and just take a bunch of photos. Use those photos at from events, from Sunday morning, from gatherings, and use those as you promote different things through email. The fourth is not changing content enough. So you might have a winner camp in your email for three weeks in a row. That's fine. But the content has to change every single week. You cannot leave the same announcement in your email week after week after week. Why? Because people are going to tune it out and they're going to think, oh, it's the same thing that I saw last week. You got to change the picture and you got to change the content if you're going to use the same announcements, the same events, the same information from week to week. Change it out. The fifth mistake is using weird subject lines, so things that don't make any sense or are trying to be funny but aren't. And the sixth mistake that I see people making at churches when it comes to email marketing is getting caught in the margins. And what I mean is this. We get caught up by all the details, the stuff that doesn't really matter but keeps us from actually doing something great. One of those things is, well, when's the best time to send email? And rather than creating email and starting to send it, you research trying to find that perfect magic moment to send the email. Well, FYI, there isn't one. Yes, there are better times. Don't send email on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Send email. If you send it on Friday, people are going to be out of the office. It's going to get stuck in their spam box or in their inbox, and they're going to just overlook it because when they come back in on Monday, they're going to have so much email to go through. So maybe send it on Tuesday. Maybe send it on Thursday or Wednesday. There are better times, but don't get caught in the margins of inaction uh, trying to figure out all of these details. Uh, Another um, margin that people get caught in is the graphics. Oh, the graphics have to be perfect. We already talked about that. Another one is how long does my email need to be? And so researching and trying to figure out the perfect, you know, length for email copy. Let me just say this. Your email can never be too long. It can only be too boring. Your email can never be too long. It can only be too boring. So if you can make an, I mean, that's why people read books, right? They put down books that are boring and they get through books that are entertaining. So if you're writing amazing emails, they can be longer. If they're entertaining people, if they like it, chances are you really don't want to take time to do that. But just remember, an email can never be too long. It can only be too boring. Make it as long as it needs to be to get the information out and get people to respond. So that is the first section of this episode, the email marketing for churches episode. We'll come back and we'll go through email marketing, low hanging fruit, and a few tips that I want to leave you with to think about as you begin utilizing email more effectively in your church. We'll be right back. 
So let me ask you this. If I could wave my communication wand and instantaneously you would know what the next 90 days of communication looked like at your church, would you be interested? Would that be something that you would want to know exactly how to do? The next 90 days all planned out. Well, there is no wand where that can happen. There is no way I can just kind of wave it and that'll happen. But there is an event coming up that produces the exact same results. And that is called the Certification Lab. The Certification Lab is put on by the Center for Church Communication, our mothership here at the Church Marketing Podcast. And on July 17th through 19th in Nashville, you have the opportunity to walk into a room with church communicators who are just like you. Church communicators who have looked at all of the resources out there, who have looked at what other churches are doing and have wondered, how can we get there as well? It's possible. It's possible, but you have to have the training. You have to have someone show you how to do it. And real church communicators who have spent years, in some cases decades, helping the church communicate more effectively will be there to equip you. So go to cfcclabs.org slash certification for more information along with the opportunity to register. That's cfcclabs.org slash certifications and register now for the certification lab. You will not regret it. All right, so let's get back into this. The next section that we're going to go through is email marketing low-hanging fruit. This is easy stuff that you could apply right now. So grab a pen, grab a paper, start taking notes because you can do this stuff like today. Like you don't have to wait until you learn stuff. You don't even have to have necessarily signed up for an email program to get some of this done. The first one is a welcome sequence to visitors. Now, when I say sequence, that is a series of emails. So if you think about your sermons on Sunday and how one comes right after the next, comes right after the next until the series is over, that's the way an email sequence works. You have the first email, the second email, the third email, the fourth email, and then that series is over. So a welcome sequence, a a series of welcome emails to visitors that go out on Monday or starting Monday after they visit. So email one could be a welcome from the pastor. So the way this would play out is like this. Well, uh, visitors fill out a welcome card. That welcome card gets submitted to the receptionist. The receptionist enters them into a, your church database and then runs a report. And that report, um, you export it as a CSV file, like comma separated value, and then you upload it to MailChimp and say, hey, add them to this group. And then it triggers a sequence. Don't get caught up in the how-tos, but that's the process that it would take. And the first email that goes out on Monday is a welcome from the pastor. Hey, thanks so much for coming. I'm glad that you were here. Whatever he wants to say. Make it short. Email number two that goes out two days later could be, we just wanted to share a little bit about our church with you. And so, you know, in 200 words, 250 words, you share about the church and then you point them somewhere on the website. If you want to know more about what we believe or if you want to know more about what our children's ministry looks like or whatever, click here. Email number three, which goes out, you know, the next day on Thursday, it's how we communicate. And that's where you could onboard church um church congregation members, how they can actually get information from you. You highlight the calendar on the website. You say, this is what we use Facebook for. And you provide a link to one of those and you send them there so that they can begin hearing you communicate. And then the last one um, is join our weekly email list. And so that might go out on a Friday or it might go out on the following Monday. And it just basically says, hey, we don't have any more emails to send you, but we do send out an email every single week with what's going on at the church. Click here to join. And that's that. That is a four 
email sequence that you could begin creating to send or that you could create now and then get signed up for MailChimp or AWeber or GetResponse or whatever and start sending out those emails over the course of the next several days. That's a very low-hanging email sequence that you could do. Next one, subscribe to new content via RSS. So I'm not going to get into what RSS feeds are, but essentially it stands for Real Simple Syndication. And if you subscribe and listen to this podcast, you're subscribing using an RSS feed. So anytime we click publish on a new podcast, it shows up in your podcast app or your podcast program. That's what an RSS feed. And so you can create one based off of your website. And so anytime you click publish on a new sermon, you can use, and I keep saying MailChimp because that's the easiest one I found to use. And it allows you to do this function as a matter of fact. So whenever you click publish, that RSS feed from your website automatically sends an email to everybody who signed up saying, I want to know when new sermons are available online. It's done automatically. If you need more information about how to integrate that with MailChimp, let me know. I'll send you some code and tell you where to place that code in MailChimp. uh, Another example is let's say that you have news that you're constantly posting on your website. Well, every time you click post or publish on a new blog, it automatically sends an email out. Now, let's say that you post every day. like, well, Dave, I don't want to be sending emails every day. Well, one thing you can do with MailChimp and some of the others, you can say, Only send out these emails on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and if there's more than one item to be sent, stack them upon one another. So it'll say, here's the most recent one, and here's the next most recent one. So that's another thing that you can do. So subscribe, get people to subscribe, and send email out via RSS feed automatically. The third piece of low-hanging fruit is a weekly email that announces um, events that are coming up or different news that you need to put out. And I think most of you are probably doing this already, but send out at the same time on the same day every single week an update of what's going on. Don't put tons of stuff in that email. Make it quick, easy to consume. It doesn't have to be a long explanation of what it is you're doing. Make it quick and easy to act on. That is is a great way of doing your newsletter. Maybe three items max, two items minimum, one item if you really want to get daring. The last one is confirmation messages. Now, the problem that we are going to run into is that church databases, church management systems are awful. There's not one out there that's good. There isn't. They're all terrible. And all of them fail to employ anything that keeps them accountable. So if you want to integrate your church database system with Google Analytics, I know not one that allows you to do that. If you want to integrate your church database system with webhooks or tracking email open rates or anything like that, they don't allow you to do it. There's absolutely zero marketing integration that exists in any of the church databases that I've used to date. Now, it sounds like I'm bashing on them. No, I'm not bashing on them. They just are really big ships and they move really, 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 really slowly. So the problem you're going to run into is trying to utilize some of this email marketing technology with your church database system that is way behind when it comes to the internet and tracking actions. So what I'm going to say is based upon the notion that you are importing and exporting lists, and it could be a pain in the rear, 
but just get a vision for what it could look like and then employ it on the most important ones. Confirmation messages. One things that one thing that all of the church database systems that handle registrations for events have done well is they provide a confirmation message. That confirmation message is a prime prime opportunity for you to give as many details as possible to the people who have registered for an event. Send them details immediately after registering. You have to think of confirmation series or event series as avoiding face-to-face or over-the-phone or individual email communication. Why? Because that takes time. If you can mass communicate through a series of emails after somebody signs up for something, it's going to save you a lot of time and it's going to help keep the event on their radar. So maybe they register and you're using, you know, church community builder. They register, the confirmation email goes out. Well, let's say that at the end of the week, you have a volunteer who exports all the people who have now registered and then you import that list to a group on MailChimp and you have four emails that you've written leading up to the event. When that volunteer uploads that list, those emails then go out based upon the sequence that you sent out. So you could send out one, you know, a week before, three days before, two days before, one day before, and then the day of. And it has information that's pertinent to it all along the way. Just an example. So that, those are four email marketing pieces of low-hanging fruit, I guess you would say. Low-hanging fruit pieces, however you want to word it. But those are four things that you could begin doing immediately. Now, I want to leave you with a few tips before we close out this episode, a few tips of things to keep in mind. Write these down. Keep coming back to them as a tip sheet because it's going to help you um, gain greater open rates, greater click-through rates when it comes to your email marketing. Tip number one, if you're going to do an email sequence, if you're going to send out a series of four emails for a particular event or a particular um you know, opportunity or whatever, write out all the emails that you want to send before you actually send the first email. So get them all written out. Open up a Word document. Open up a Google Doc. Write out all four emails. And once you've decided that they're good, schedule them out. Don't do this piecemeal thing where you send one email and then you write another one later and you write another one later. You're wasting time. Get them all written out if you know that you're going to send a sequence of emails to people when they register for something or when you want to onboard them or whatever. The next tip is only have one call to action in every email unless the premise of the email is a lot of information. So the example here would be your weekly church newsletter. You can have multiple call to actions in there, but don't have a whole bunch of things like I already said, maybe three things max. But any other email that you send out, don't say, click here for this, click here for that, click there for this, click here for that. One call to action and paste that call to action, that link you want them to go to, or that registration page you want them to open up. Paste it multiple times throughout the copy, depending on how long it is, maybe twice, maybe three times. Only one call to action. Next tip is remember that no one cares about your message. So before you click send... Look at your message, ask yourself the question, okay, nobody cares about this message, so how do I change, what do I need to change in order to make them care? If you do that, you will write better email copy every single time. The next tip, your email will come in between important emails. Think about your email inbox. You're going to get a message from maybe your parents, you're going to get a message from your doctor, you're going to get a notification from your bank. 
You're going to have um, notifications or confirmations from that cruise you have scheduled. You've got a lot of important things coming in your email. And one more email in between all of those, it has to be compelling enough to get you to open it or else it's just a waste. The same thing is true for your readers. Your emails that you send out on behalf of your church are going to show up in between stuff that is way more important than anything you have to say. So make sure that your email subject captures their attention and make sure what you have to say on the inside is important enough for them to read. Your email is the least important email that they're going to receive, so make sure that it doesn't waste their time. Um, The next tip is you can never write too much. You can only be too boring. Your email can never be too long. It can only be too boring. Chances are you're not a great copyright telling story, so keep it short. I'm not a great copyright telling story, so I keep mine short. Um, The next tip is consistency is king, so show up. If you say you're going to show up on Thursdays at 12 o'clock, show up on Thursdays at 12 o'clock. Don't be late and don't change the date. That rhymes. Uh, the next tip, not everyone lives in your bubble, so make sure you impl- include plenty of context. We're famous for doing this at the church. We think everybody thinks about the event that we're planning. They don't. They think about it when they show up at church on Sunday and when they're registering and when the d- event actually comes around. You're thinking about it every day trying to make it happen. Make sure when you write email copy that you provide plenty, plenty, plenty of context so they can understand exactly what's going on and exactly what you want from them. And the last tip that I have for you is to celebrate the past and look forward to the future. It's easy to do drive-by event announcements. And you've got an event coming up, you send out an email announcing that event, and you never bring it up ever again. Well, why don't you send in the next week's email after the event's happened a celebration, a report of what actually happened. Include pictures. Keep your emails interesting. Keep people um, engaging with the story that you're writing, not only before the event, but after the event. Don't just do drive-by events and tell people about signing up, but never telling them about what transformation took place. So there you have it, guys. That is the email marketing for churches episode. Like I said, if you have questions, you can send me an email, dave at cfcclabs.org, or send me a tweet, at Dave Shrine, on Twitter. I love Twitter. I love connecting with you there. Now, before we end, remember, go check out Zapier, Z-A-P-I-E-R, Go sign up for the certification lab, cfcclabs.org slash certification. And if you need any of the links or any of the show notes for what we've talked about today, go to churchmarketingsucks.com slash 021. There you go. That's it, guys. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day, rest of your week, rest of your month, whenever it is you're listening to this. Uh, If you want to learn more about me, again, find me on Twitter at Dave Shrine. Visit my website, DaveShrine.com. And until the next episode of the Church Marketing Podcast, Shrine out. Shrine out.